everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Clear as Mud, where we talk to game developers from all walks of life about their personal and professional journeys. I'm your host, Graham Waldrop. As always, our show is presented by Mudstack, the only asset management and collaboration tool custom-built for game studios and digital artists. For more information, head over to mudstack.com. Today, we welcome freelance game designer William Gautier to the show. William's career has been built around working on mobile and casual games for companies like Ubisoft and Zynga. But now he's at a bit of a career crossroads in the sense that he wants to work on independent titles that are not focused in that space. So we dive into the reasoning behind his career change, the challenges of marketing himself to indie developers, and in a rather sweet story, how he created a project at a game jam to propose to his girlfriend. This is a cool episode for us. We don't really talk to a lot of independent developers as much as we used to in the earlier days of the show. So it was cool to really talk to someone that is, you know, trying to reinvent himself in terms of what he's going to do professionally. So he's in a unique situation where he's distancing himself, right, from the games he worked on while simultaneously using those lessons from those games to further his career um, and figure out a way to make a mark in a new way. So it's a cool episode and we think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's William. All right, so William, you've worked a lot with UI and UX. So, so tell me a couple of things that when you look at other people's work or other games that don't have a good example of UI or UX, what, what are some of the examples of, of bad UI, UX to use, things that upset you? Yeah, um, so bad UX, for instance, I really don't like the Dark Souls one, uh, despite liking the game, uh, because there was so much struggling uh, yeah, to go in all the menu, equip weapons, and you have to go and shift so many things. Uh, it's really yeah. tedious and for a game where you have to equip gears really fast and like dodge and do many things. And there's no pause. Yeah, no pause just, in those games. Yeah, no pause. So yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's kind of uh, terrible. Yeah, that's something for me. It's really a good listen to see like a really good game in general, but having a bad UX, uh, but still working in a way. Just okay, I I want to play this game. It's bad, but it's not also impacting too much. And I think that uh it's really i think a japanese uh specialty to have complex ux i guess uh, target audience really like uh for me i hate uh when there is too much icon menu things popping out all the way you have to and when you look at the menu of also the ps4 itself it's horrible like that they give me an indication like okay uh, i was playing on a new tv to go there for HDR, but where? Uh, so I have to scroll around my way, and first you enter the system option. There's like 12 options, and then you reach out. So it's really like for user experience, it's really terrible. But I think it's uh, also how they do things, and maybe as it's maybe targeted for a Japanese audience that are used to this kind of uh, yeah interface. So yeah, after. You can adapt to anything, but yeah, for um, yeah, it's it's kind of really hard <laughs> to know where you have to go. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring up the PS4 uh, UI because I think the PS3 UI is really clear. 
Mm. It's really, it was really well designed, I think. But I agree, like the PS4 is kind of overwhelming. You have your games and then you have the menu on top of the games and you might not even know how to get to the menu. Like if you were just mm. turning it on for the first time. I'm, I'm so used to it now because I've had PS4 for a while, but I remember when I first got it, I was like, oh, this is totally different from what uh, I'm used to. Yeah, exactly. It's feel you have to watch a tutorial just to know how to, <laughs> to get right. there because it's like, Okay, I'm here and like this kind of uh, horizontal line. Like, okay, where is my game first? How I play? Uh, okay, they ask me to change something in the menu. Where's the menu? So yeah, there's there's a lot. Sometimes too much options. And yeah, there's there's maybe you should have done like a like specialized menu. Okay, if you really have want, but for I think common players, we just want. Okay, I want to launch my game. Maybe change a bit the contrast but that's all like i don't need to to have my my way and like yeah it's really complex right so you you've worked on a number of mobile games um which i always find are really really tough to design for in terms of uh, ui ux because you have less real estate to work with um, you have less complex controls in terms of you don't have a keyboard mouse you don't have a controller what are some of the tenets for you for good ui ux um, so I think first uh, to answer this question, you have to understand your target audience. For uh, UI I made for like uh, rabbit coding, it was more for um, young audience, and uh, so it, it was uh, the less text, the better it was. And since uh, I had to reshape the PC version to mobile, I I say okay, uh, I understand the logic of text and uh, since you have to learn how to code it's important but since it's also a game it has to be joyful which text sometimes is not really necessary so uh, so that's the first question to answer um, so how I convey a global icon that will speak to everyone for example we all know the wheel for option menu okay I see a wheel uh, that's okay that I understand um, it's the menu. Um, this, if it's like, for example, a microphone, it should be sound. So, like, try to find really clear uh, indication. Sometimes, also, it's part of uh, cultural differences. I don't remember exact example, but I know like uh, sounds can be interpreted in many ways. Uh, so far, it seems like uh, the bell or uh, microphone is the best. Um, so yeah, that's really something you have to keep in mind, like who you address uh, the game to, and then you can uh, work on this. And also it's all about uh, test. You also show, uh, like if you have the chance to have a multicultural uh, company, you can show different UI and colors uh, to see if it's working well, if people understand it well, because um, maybe for you it's clear, but for the other it's not clear at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, starting off with the target audience. I would also think that looking at comparable games in the same genre would be important as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you study game UI. No, it's game UI database. It's tremendous amount of work uh, where you gather all the UI of all the different games that exist from mobile to PC to console. It's really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, so uh, good resources so you can check uh, what's bad, what's good, and you can uh, also understand the pattern of uh, UI, for example, for a mobile game. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. Um, this is one of the, the, the coolest stories I think I've heard in, in a while. Um, I was looking at your, your website. Mm-hmm. You, you made a game to propose to your then girlfriend, uh, Seven Beats to Heaven. Can you, can you walk through sort of the inception of that idea and how you sort of married your, your love of game design with the person you love? Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I always wanted to propose in a kind of interesting and original way. Um, I think I saw a guy uh, make his own game to propose uh, his girlfriend and he make his game on his own. So since I didn't know and still don't know how to code and I also wanted more help because it would have taken me so much time to do it on my own. So I, and I always like game jam and say, okay, let's, let's try, uh, suggest the ideas. They all get on board. So at all this amazing team, like we were like, uh, five. Um, and, uh, so the game was not, uh, finished, uh, for the game jam, but since they really liked the ID, they helped me until the, the end and I could make the game which was also too difficult for the little joke. So um, yeah. my, my wife had really struggled to finish the game. So, And also, you talk about UI, uh, the message I chose, it was like at the end, sorry for the spoiler, but uh, like, do you, um, I'm your boyfriend, do you want to be my girlfriend for life or something like that. So she did not understand at first that I was proposing. So I had a bit to rephrase. <laughs> so it's a bit breaks uh, the momentum, but uh, in the end it was uh, still a really yeah, funny and a really nice moment I, I could share. Uh, since it's two years, she said yes, obviously. So oh, yeah, wow. was... yeah, no, congratulations. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, it sounds really personal too, right? I mean, I just think that's such a great idea. Um, mm. I guess it's and and if, if it's a game jam game, that's really hard to play test too, right? Because you don't really have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. But so we did it in um, one weekend, and we were already a solid uh, base. So I arrived with the game jam with already a ninety, um, but I was always open for suggestions. So the main idea was to have like uh, four rooms and gather. Uh, elements who are like uh, personal to us but um, and the team of the game jam was seven just only seven so I, w- I didn't want it to impose too much like my game it should be like that I also wanted people to join a board uh, I think it's a fair deal because okay it's already personal but uh, so people to join they can uh, bring new ideas so at the end it was only like a, on a platformer but we uh, add some um, elements that w- I wanted to collect. So um, you have all these little gems who are like uh, really like uh, keywords for us, like a earth, like like a, I would call it like a jelly of the uh, belly, <laughs> something. Yeah, like that. there's so, always a theme. Yeah. There's always mm-hmm. a theme with the game jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, how we implemented the seven is um, we had seven seconds to go to one checkpoint to another. And to make it a bit less difficult, every time you jump, you like at the momentum where you can freeze time and get a second if you time it. Mm. Uh, so it it was also too easy experience because uh, since it's a platformer, there's a lot of time you can waste of fail, falling on the platform. Uh, but it was like I was really lucky to have this team because also um, another funny part is. Uh, 
sound designer is a metal head boy and he had to make such a cute song <laughs> and cute mm -hmm. uh, cute stuff along the way so it was also really nice to and uh, to have someone who can really adapt also and uh, create a really cool uh, soundtracks and yeah effect yeah and that's something too i think that's really underrated in design until you i think you really actually try to make a game is the impact of sound the impact mm -hmm. of sound and actions and positive feedback loops, negative feedback loops. Um, how much consideration do you take with sound in terms of your design? I mean, are you kind, are you thinking about that as you're as you're uh, making something, or is, or do you come back to it after the design's kind of complete? I think uh, it depends also on the project you are working on. Uh, for instance, hyper casual. Uh, for times, they even have no sound because it was only okay. We show the game. And mm -hmm. we saw that there was a, also a huge impact on uh, the little sound, like uh, SFX. But for me, um, one of my favorite game is uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time. And the sound is like so important because you have actually yeah. have to play the Ocarina. So I think if you want to really empower the gameplay experience, the sound is really key. And that's why... You have to take in account from the start uh, design. For example, if you design a combat game, what is the sound of uh, if you want to have a realistic like uh, fist in the face or more right. like a cartoonish one? So it's really impactful because it's real. Have, the player will have a different perception uh, of the game regarding the sound. Yeah, and I think also too, like um, you know, like fighting games, you know. It's like a combination of the design, then the animation, and, the, and then the sound. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about I think having the the right amount of weight to it, um, and but all those things kind of got to work harmoniously together. Um, if you pull it off, no one notices. There's like, yeah, that makes sense, but the actual process of putting all those things together is pretty crazy. Yeah, and it's actually the sound become like a trademark also for some kind. For example, the music of Halo. Um, Hello, I have to pronounce the H. Yeah, hello, and this kind of uh, really uh, following uh, games, uh, you mm -hmm. all have this sharing this like hunting at some point. Uh, yeah, and you remember them um, back also to PlayStation. And there was the first PlayStation, you know, when you open and turn on the PlayStation was this really cool, uh, a bit sci-fi, a bit weird sound. It was really yeah. iconic too. Yeah. yeah, that doo -doo -doo -doo. I can't even do it. But I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a mix. Yeah. Side, yeah. <laughs> um, so when when your when your girlfriend got to the end of the game and you had to explain uh, everything that was going on, was she at Game Jam or or was that is this in a private area or or where where were you guys? So like uh, I had to actually hide me myself um, because she knows I was working on something, but I couldn't explain obviously. So and we were living in a really really small flat in Paris. So I really I was literally in the corner of the flat, turning my way so I could walk on the game. And uh, for the game jam itself, I say, oh, I go to the game jam, and uh, and she of of course wanted to see the game. I said, ah oh, no, it's not finished. I want to show you when it's finished, and I also have to walk my way uh, on this and say, okay, you, we, we were still working on it. And uh, finally, I show her and uh, also, that's why I was rushing also. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, the team was also really uh, nice and also put some effort to help me. So, um, like in, we work not like full-time, but 
around like two weeks uh, on it. So just uh, managing and balancing the layout design. All the assets were done. Uh, a, a bit some uh, tweaking in the code side also to make it uh, yeah uh, easier. So uh, so yeah, like uh, my time was like okay, I do this game jam maybe the months after I can propose. So yeah. That's really cool, and it's so cool also that you, you had friends to to help you make that and and mm-hmm. and help you to the finish line. So that's that's such a cool story. I think uh, that's, that's that's so fun. Actually, it was not even oh, sorry, not even friends. It was strangers. <laughs> I didn't know that. Strangers. Before. That's yes. even better. Yes, because <laughs> I know a lot of people when they do game jam, it's usually you get together with some friends. But you know, to do that with strangers, that's even more impressive. That's I see the power of love. Let's say let's put it that way. That's nice. And yeah, yeah, that's that's I was what I was really impressed, and uh, she was of course really touched and really uh, thankful for them and uh, myself too. And the only person I know it was an ex colleague of mine, and uh, he also wanted to do a game show. I said, okay, let's let's do it together. But all the other I didn't know them before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Really cool. So I remember when we talked uh, a while ago, you had talked about wanting to get out of out of the mobile space. Mm-hmm. Um, into more traditional games. Um, what what sort of led to that decision of being like, I've had enough of mobile. I'm ready to to, to branch out and do new stuff. Uh, you know, be it VR or, or 3D stuff or, or whatever. So when you go to mobile and especially hyper casual, you have kind of stamp in your forehead, <laughs> like your label as mobile uh, designer. And um, of course you have to do what you have to do, uh, have friends to pay. And sometimes I didn't have a lot of room to choose. So that's why I choose this path. Uh, but I think um, it's time to move on. Um, I really appreciate the, the mobile uh, the mobile market in terms of uh, game design because you have to think really fast because the uh, trends are changing so much. It's really fast. The attention of players are not the same at all. So it's yeah. really uh, an exercise for game designer to really adapt to the target audience and to the market. But... Uh, especially upper casual, don't offer a really complexity of PC or console and, uh, or different indie games we can see. So that's what I want to do. I have uh, now enough experience as manager and I want to improve more into game design, like create system, deeper game play mechanics and uh, so on. The development time is so much shorter in mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's already stressful enough making games, but to make games and churn them out fast the way the, the, the dev times are and um, and the way the games are, are designed, I mean, that, I don't blame you. I, <laughs> I'd be feeling the same way, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like in terms of production is like maybe 10 times shorter. Uh, like it's not even like in months, you think it's in weeks, sometimes weeks. Right. So yeah, it's like for hyper casual. Uh, for... Mobile games, you can have room, but it's yeah, maybe three, six months, depends of mm-hmm. the game. Uh, but it's really, yeah, uh, you have to think fast and act fast. So what are you, what are you working on now then? Uh, myself, I would say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm rebuilding a bit uh, my portfolio, getting stronger 
LinkedIn, contacting. Uh, since uh, this transition is really hard, and uh, I face a lot of barrier because okay, uh, I know how to make games, but uh, what I can prove is only like hyper casual mobile and yeah. And since also in the history, sometimes okay, you don't have a triple A titles. No thanks. And but right. after right. creating a game, when you know uh, it can be hyper casual mobile. Um, the, it's like kind of a template, you know. After it's, as you say, it's more the time you can do and the number of people and complexity. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, a bit hard. I think the industry evolves also a lot. And uh, general, let's say, generalist people like me, uh, I think it's a bit harder instead of like. A technical game designer or maybe specialize in combat, for instance, uh, will have mm -hmm. sometimes uh, more chance. So I still my profile is interesting, but it's also more uh, mobile. Also a lot of uh, crypto metaverse uh, contacting, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, a bit others than I thought. Maybe I was a bit too confident in that sense. Are you making any prototypes that could help you find a position, um, you know, where you are making something in 3D or making something that's more akin to the, the, the studios you want to work for? Yeah, exactly. So um, I started also to write a bit some articles on LinkedIn to see mm -hmm. also how I can promote in that sense and also maybe to, to show uh, I can analyze game but you're right, uh, it's something I want to do, um, especially uh, trying a bit of Unreal because I mainly use Unity so far, so I want to put my foot on it. Um, yeah, it's something I, I want to try. Also, uh, maybe later I will uh, create a small like uh, team, like studio to make a fast game uh, because I always wanted to create my studio app bigger project in mind but will require so much money so i i also have to try to be my own boss and if i can like manage employee and so on so i think it's it's better to start with uh, a small product if it fails it fails but at least you you know and learn some valuable lesson i guess yeah and hopefully you you get something something out of it even if it fails at least you have something that's like okay i can put this in my my portfolio mm -hmm. exactly yeah it's always interesting to talk to folks that are working in, in the business and talking about the nature of, of crunch or toxic work environments. Do you have any experience uh, dealing with that? Well, hyper casual is almost always crunch. So, um, yeah, it's hard to, to manage uh, because, yes, you have to balance your work life and your personal life. And when the work life takes so much space in your personal life, then everything is impacted. Uh, but if you don't also deliver, then your work life is impacted. So it's a choice you have to make. So, yeah, I did a lot of extra work hours were totally unpaid uh, and at the end uh, not really even considered. And I think if you enter in this process, you know what, what you have to challenge and what you have to do it for the company or for yourself. But I will never do it again. I think you have to set yourself some values and some boundaries. And uh, I think it's really more important to put them at the beginning 
then uh, okay, this is my 40 hours. I do this time, this time. I can work more, but you pay me. And that is has to be written, signed, and it's okay. Uh, of course, there is some marketing strategy where you have to deliver some game at that time, but that doesn't mean employee has to uh, obey all the time and you have to yeah, fight for your rights. Okay, you can do extra hours, but they need to be paid and yeah. uh, and also not be re- constantly repeated. I assign for 40 hours, I have other things to do than working and I have also my personal life. Uh, so thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> In the first couple of years, you're you start working in the, in the industry, it's it's really easy to fall into the trap, I think, of immersing yourself in everything, going not even the extra mile, but 10 extra miles and living a really unhealthy lifestyle. Um, when people do that, they either burn out or they learn to to balance things a little better because it's just, it's just not sustainable to do that over a long period of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I burn out uh, sometimes, uh, but it's like the usual process. Okay, you work a lot, you work a lot, then you realize, okay, I haven't seen this friend for a really long time. I haven't sent a text. I haven't called. And you say, okay, that's maybe my work take too much space in my life. Yeah. I think we all arrive at this space, no matter what uh, we love our job, but uh, there should be some limit. Like work is part of your life. We maybe spend maybe 50 to 70% of our life in it. But at some point, if you only live for your work, then especially if it's not your company, that's makes not so much sense, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's also, I think it's a cool trend in the industry now where there's a lot of these newer companies being started by AAA veterans where you know some of them are offering equity mm-hmm. in, in the company that they're starting. So it's like you have a share of it. Uh, company success can be your success which I think is, is, a, is a cool trend that, that's happening right now. Yeah, it makes things more fair and empower more people. Okay, you work for us, but you also gain with us. That's that's really big difference. And uh, yeah, if I uh, one day create my company, I will definitely set up things like that because it's so important. It's really hard to find uh, people and keep people. And I think... Company has to adapt to people and not people adapting to a company. That's, I think, uh, a, a fair also work environment where, okay, you're, you will have an impact. You will not have to be yeah. a, a random person, but we want you to grow with us and stay with us and learn with us and also teach us. So that's what is, I think, really important nowadays. Mm-hmm. If you were to start your your company and your work on a project, what would be your ideal like starting team size? Well, that's really hard. Uh, it's more to uh, replace a skill I don't have. Uh, for example, right. I would definitely need a coder, 3D artist, uh, and a specialized crowdfunding slash marketing person. And for all the game design, UX, UI, uh, I could do it, but I think it's better also to have uh, another artist, illustra- uh, illustrator, uh, 2D artist, and, or con- and, and conceptual artist. Uh, I don't want to 
also to enter the game where okay you, you have to do everything <laughs> you right. thanks yeah so it's also yeah um learn from the lesson i learned where you ask when you see a job description where okay you have to learn 10 language and also do game design and like okay this make absolutely no sense um but also in a way you have to give room for people to uh, give you feedback and grow with you so yeah, I think um, six, six, five, six person is should mm-hmm. be a really good start. Um, the best is ten, but it's always the same money. <laughs> and, yeah, money uh, is always the problem. Yeah. yeah, if you have like money, that's fine. You can have the team, but I think if you also start right. too high, then you can't uh, know your team at some point because okay, I have too much yeah. people, I can't know them. So I think you have to to start really low five six and reach ten, then all this milestone and yeah don't don't go too fast. Or I see also when you start with a small team and lots of money in evolve, it can create really tragic. Uh, there's so much stories about that where people only see data and money and don't think about human anymore. They say, okay, we need yeah. to reach this goal, this goal, this goal. Okay, you didn't reach by, that's all. And you are two years, three years, four years in the industry and like just vanish because the company didn't adapt to you. You had to adapt so much and yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Some yeah. studio face. I think that's a problem a lot of people face that have um, excess funds. They think, you know, if we just hire this many people, it'll work. Whereas it's not really having the money, it's how you spend it. It's having a plan around spending the money, I think, is is the most important thing. Because you could you could blow a lot of money on a lot of positions that you don't need right now. Exactly. Um, yeah, and if you do that, then you set yourself back completely. Uh, can you talk at all about the game you want to make? Um, actually, I don't have a game um, to make it small um, because I see so much project left on who are so nice, but it's all because they don't have money or people. It's solo project and it's more working because sometimes I'm better at working on other game ideas and create my own game ideas. Uh, so it's more an ambition to gather people create a project in that sense um, mm-hmm. and um, but after add some also ideas it's more like ideas are, um, and maybe you give, you will give me like this input where I will sit down and create the, the game I want to make uh, mm-hmm. but me I really like also a couch co-op and really uh, yeah. Mayhem games like Magica or uh, Overcook and um, I love Overcooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, uh, my my wife and I have almost gotten divorced like five times playing Overcooked. Both yeah, yeah, same same <laughs> for us. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's this kind of game, but yeah, it's um, and also uh, more ambitious, like narrative, like Deus Ex. Uh, the first one was mm-hmm. one of also my favorite game where. As it's really a deep layer of uh, complexity and darkness, which you don't really find so often, or maybe I don't know too much uh, of this kind of game. But uh, I think the other Deus Ex uh, did not have this kind of vibe. The first one had, or also the first Fallout were really particular. Yeah. 
and uh, really dark and also comic at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, but I will need to sit down. Maybe it's the moment to do it and have some time. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think there, is, there will be a lot of things for me going on for 2023 and I will have to make many uh, decisions regarding, okay, if I have to show myself in this kind of studio, take some risk. Um, but since yeah, I am married, I'm not alone in this. Uh, so it's really difficult decision. But I know my wife will support me and my family nonetheless. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I will have to make some choices. Well, it's, it's just kind of frustrating, I think, for you. Uh, I mean, I, I can't only imagine, but like, you know, you've worked on, on games for years mm-hmm. and you've, you've released a lot of games, but the, the AAA space, just because of the space you worked in, won't, won't let you in. That's, that's just got to be super frustrating. Uh, it's also AAA is uh, not maybe a goal. It's more indie, I was uh, also, but of or course, indie, yeah. if mm-hmm. you have a AAA experience, it's always good to to jump but uh but it's the same for or yeah, yeah. not just triple a mm-hmm. but but being then you know making the games that you're talking about making an overcooked making a uh dave sex you know or, or something in that in that space it doesn't necessarily have to be triple a but just because you worked in uh mobile or or, or whatever it's like or, or casual mm-hmm. yeah. i just i don't know yeah I'm, that's uh I'm that's not that's not right <laughs> It's yeah. not right, but um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It can also do a parallel with another, like industry. Okay, you work in auditing and you want to do uh, maybe healthcare. So why I would recruit you? Maybe you are really the big boss of banking, but yeah. So it's just giving a. But chance. it's not like you worked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like you worked in something that's totally unrelated. It's not like you worked in finance and you're like, I'm going to go make video games now, so hire me. It's like you've, you've worked in video games. Yeah, you know? but also yeah, for personal story, I, I came from accounting. <laughs> that's why I can, uh, but I, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. I had a bachelor degree in like charter accounting, but I realized what I didn't want to do with these studies, but not what I wanted to do. So it's possible uh, I think in certain stage of your life. Uh, so if you're junior, it's where it's so hard uh, to understand, uh, to enter in the industry. Or sometimes you have to start with what you can. And um, yeah. and now I'm also in the phase, okay, I have experience, but in mobile, I'm very casual. And maybe a company will be understanding, but for the main part, um, it's always very, okay, you don't have this, little box in your CV. So no, no, thank you. No. And I think, uh, it's better to know the person and what she can learn, um, because skills can be learned. Uh, but having person who can adapt and, and bring, uh, what you need is more important. And having directly the, like all the box tick for me. William, uh, you know, wish you best of luck <laughs> Thank you. in this, this endeavor. And, and, and I hope, you know, if you do wind up making something on your own, um, that that goes well and it gets you where you need to be. And um, anything you want to you want to plug here at the end of the show, we always like to give people um, the chance to, to to plug their work or, or, or plug anything they like. Uh, yeah, well, um, if I have to say something, never give up, never give up on your dream. Fight for what you seems right. Um, so yeah, if 
some people hear me out and uh, you can maybe have a look at all my portfolio LinkedIn and we can chat. I'm always yeah available to chat. It can be also providing uh, advice for junior. I help uh, and always be happy to, to provide help. And uh, I think it's really important uh, when you get experience and people reach you out. They don't know, they may be scared or overwhelmed by the industry to always give what you learn uh, so they don't do the same mistake or they understand how to approach the industry better. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. William, thank you so much and, uh, and best of luck. Yeah, to you. thank you so much to you. And uh, it was really nice chatting with, uh, with you. All right, that's going to wrap up our show. We want to thank William again for being our guest. To find out more about Mudstack, head over to mudstack.com where you can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and join our community on Discord. And of course, we want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Clear as Mud.